This is Dave Simeone, and welcome to The Mix Zone. I'm the president of Soccer Development Strategies, a career-long soccer coach, coaching director, and educator. The Mix Zone is where we'll examine and take on current issues, dissect breaking news and trends related to soccer and other sports on the youth, college, and professional levels. You can be sure there won't be a shortage of opinion in any one of our segments here in the Mix Zone. Today we'll be talking about foreign and domestic coaches in the American environment. MLS is 25 years old and it has produced a track record of both foreign and domestic coaches in those 25 years. Plenty to consider between fact, feeling, rhyme, and reason. Every domestic league, every national federation has had this debate, and some of them are ongoing. They're spirited, and they revolve around some of the tangibles, but also some of the intangible feelings about foreign coaches in any kind of a domestic environment. So let's just look at the EPL in the 2019-2020 year. In all the Premier League clubs, there are nine English coaches, two Germans, two Portuguese, two Spanish, and one of each of the following, Norwegian, Northern Ireland, Italian, Austrian. And that's the way that breakout in the EPL looks. In MLS currently, there are 13 US coaches, two English, two Argentine, and one of each of the following, Scottish, who would be the new interim manager at Atlanta United, Swiss, Dutch, French, Norwegian, Colombian, Venezuelan, and Canadian. That's the breakdown of MLS currently. Now, in terms of performance and production, most winning coaches in a regular season in MLS, the top 10 round out like this. Number one, Siggy Schmidt. Two, Bruce Serena. Three, Dominic Kinnear. Four, Frank Yallop. Five, Bob Bradley. Six, Steve Nichol. Seven, Jason Kreiss. Eight, Pete Vermes. Nine, Thomas Rongen. And rounding out number 10, David Dirk. From a postseason win perspective, Bruce Arena is at the top of the heap with 32 postseason wins. Second, Siggy Schmidt. Third, Dominic Kinnear. Fourth, Bob Bradley. And fifth, Schmetzer in Seattle, currently coaching the Sounders with 12. So within the postseason wins, there are no foreign coaches in the top five. Interestingly enough, just in comparison and contrast, let's talk for a minute about China, a massive country, 2.2 billion people. And they've expressed that their admitted goal is to become a world soccer power. So since 2017, China has imported huge numbers of players, considerable number of foreign coaches, And this goes along with their domestic initiative to create 50,000 domestic coaches in schools and clubs. Now, from a national team perspective, Bora Militinovic, one of our former national coaches, 
qualified them going into the 2002 World Cup, where they were three games and out. We look at coaches like Marcelo Lippi, the incredibly accomplished Italian coach, and his footprint there in China. China has an unlimited amount of human capital. And they have produced players, especially, and teams in the women's game through their old ball sports academies. But they also have incredible challenges, the vast expanse of the country, the huge diversity in regions and cultures. There are lots of obstacles there that money alone or resources will not solve. Familiarity with the environment has to be part of it. And in the case of China, let's not forget that the free movement of people or things or resources is also affected by the political environment. The question of nationality, foreign or domestic, has historically been in part an emotional one. And you can look at this going back into the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, Great Britain, and countries in the continent of Europe or South America that have had an aversion. And it's been a real process of integrating foreign coaches. Emotional and visceral, visceral reasons turn out being there's also some tangibles, some capacity and specific qualities of coaches or directors that translate at that level in that environment. And that's a little harder to evaluate, but it seems to me that it comes in three distinct areas. One is the suitability of the coach, either as a coach of a first team or as a director of a program that they have the technical knowledge at that level of the game. They understand player development. They have experience in it. They have trained players. They have prepared teams. They have worked with staffs and they can integrate all of that. They are the right coach at that moment for that group and that set of circumstances. So their suitability must be good. The knowledge of competition in that environment. So coaches coming from other parts of the world and being able to function in MLS, the not a player management side, but how do we acquire players? Um, how does MLS and its particular guidelines and constraints sometimes of player allocations, how does this affect it? But the level of competition, it's very different to be in the French first division or the Italian Serie A and what the complexion of the game is like versus MLS, how the game is played. The competition structure is different. You look at the foreign leagues, there's no postseason. Here we have that as part of the American environment. So sometimes winning the league is not the most important thing, but getting into the playoffs and winning the championship is. So man management and decidedly the composition of teams have changed a lot in 25 years here in MLS. But the quality of the player, the experience level of the player, both domestically and internationally, 
here in MLS are coaches cognizant and can they manage and coach in this environment based upon the competition, the players, what have their experiences been like? And then lastly, the adaptability of coaches and managers. The capability to adjust to training, to preparing the players, to selecting the players, putting teams on the field in order to compete and let's face it, perform or get results. Sometimes the static ideas are perhaps the biggest enemy that we have. Philosophy, systems of play, how we impose or how foreign coaches come in and sometimes domestic coaches and impose those ideas. There could be some short-term gain, but there's also the trade-off of some long-term failure. So the personality, the attitude of the coach, of the manager, has to be taken into consideration how adaptable are they. So I just look at Atlanta United for the past 16 months or so with Frank DeBoer. And there are also changes in that team, team that Tata Martino produced and selected and groomed. They've lost players, not only to injury, but to the transfer market. And it's not the same team, but what also has to be called in the question is the adaptability of Frank DeBoer in order to forge a relationship with the players, in order to get them to perform in a team that is in transition clearly. So what MLS should be considering, or USL, or soccer in general, are coaches and managers, directors, who are the right fit for the circumstances they are in. So in MLS, you know, single entity is a question, big difference. But even in the USL, the quality and the capability of the player they're dealing with, the resources that they have, and then this trickles down into youth soccer where foreign or domestic coaches can be successful, depending on how you define that, or can find the environment to be very, very frustrating and they become very ineffective. So in MLS, the needs of the team, in the case of Atlanta United, losing players, the team changing, the team is in transition, in some ways the ethnicity of the players in Atlanta being predominantly Latin American, the mentality then of the players and how that shapes up with the qualities, the attitude, the personality, the philosophy, the adaptability of the manager. Clearly in Atlanta, part of what the allure was for their group was the splash they made with a name like Frank DeBoer. Plenty of good examples too, looking at managers like Oscar Perea, who's made a great adjustment into MLS. Bob Bradley has been traveled, but I look at his teams now and the way he manages LAFC, and he's definitely evolved. Giovanni Savarese, and just watching his team, the players that he picks and how he manages in the MLS environment. Adrian Heath has had some success. Mateus Almeida in San Jose. Pete Vermes, Jim Curtin, 
who's evolved as an MLS manager. And of course, Steve Nichol, who had a lot of success relatively at New England. The basis for all this is that the fit has to be right. And that falls back into ownership in order to make both good or bad decisions. Do they understand the needs of their teams and their programs and who will work in their best interest in order to find success? This is Dave Simeone in the Mix Zone.